Well, good morning. I bring you Christian greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also bring you greetings from the Waymark congregation. It's a blessing to be able to come and to share this time with you all this morning. I've been blessed and encouraged as we've worshipped already today. I've chosen to bring a message that I brought for a group of young people, and I trust that um, most of us in here at least don't consider ourselves old, and, uh, and so I trust that it's something that we can, uh, can take to heart. Um, you know, I, the title of the message this morning is A Renewed and Controlled Mind, and um, there's a, th- this applies to all ages. I think it's something that is very applicable to young people and, um, and to each one of us here, here this morning. And, um, and so we're going to talk about the mind, and, and this morning the, the scripture has a lot to say about the mind, and, um, and it's very fascinating. Uh, you know, and the mind is a very fascinating part of the human makeup. Uh, it's a very, it's a little ambiguous, is, is that okay? It's a little bit, we don't maybe quite understand uh, what, is, what is in the mind. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to divide between what is the mind and what is the heart and what is the, the brain, okay? So you have all of these things that are, that are very closely related together. And, uh, and so if I, if I mistakenly cross over where you don't think it belongs, forgive me a while, okay? And uh, I'll do my best to... Uh, to, to look at this uh, from, from the perspective of Scripture. Um, in the brain, as we think about the brain, the brain is an organ of the body, but the bra- brain is an organ that houses, I guess, or, or is, is, is filled with the mind. I'm not sure how that relationship is or how you should say that relationship is. But, um, but you know, the, the mind is really largely who a person is, okay? Um, you, you, uh, you take a person in a, in a vegetative state, okay? We, we, we see the person's physical person, but yet we say that's not that person, right? There, something's missing here. There is something that is not, that is not, um, that is not right. Um, all things that are of the physical senses, land in the brain, okay? Everything you see, everything you hear, everything you touch or taste lands in the brain and uh, gets sorted out from there, okay? And the brain also then is the control center that, that then creates action uh, out, of, out of the sensory things that, that come into the brain. Actions go out, and so, so the, brain is, the brain is very active. Um, it is also the seat of our emotions, it's where everything that we feel and hear is, everything is processed in, in, the, in the brain, in the mind um, of, of a person. Some interesting facts from the Northwest uh, Medicine, neuro, uh, Neurology, and Neurosurgery. Um, 60% of the human brain is made up of fat. Um, and so it's the, I, I would just say, you know, dieting is a rage at some point, so be careful how much you diet, because remember your brain's 60% fat. Your brain is not fully developed until you're 25 years old. How many people here are 25? We have some 20, congratulations, your brain has fully developed into, into what it can be. Um, brain development begins from the back of the brain and works its way to the front, and the frontal lobes are the 
are the spots that control planning and reasoning, okay? And they're the last things to develop. Now, those of us that can look back on our youth years and we understand, <laughs> we understand how that works, right? And so, and so this, this brain that God has given us is, is incredible and, and takes a long time to mature. The brain, the human brain's storage capacity is considered virtually unlimited. Uh, it, it, it supersedes the greatest supercomputer that ever was or that ever will be. Um, researchers suggest that the brain consists of 86 billion neurons, and each neuron forms a connection with another neuron, which could be up to one quadrillion connections within the brain. Okay? So those are just numbers that are out there. And so it's, it's in those connections that thought and memory and all of those things take place. Um, the brain information travels at an impressive 268 miles per hour. Okay, so what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're feeling right now is traveling through your brain at 268 miles per hour. Okay, instantly. Okay, and it don't have far to go. Okay, so, so just thinking about the wonder of what God has given us in, in the human brain. Um, the human brain weighs about three pounds. Um, men have typically have larger brains than women, but brain size does not have anything to do with the amount of intelligence that a person possesses. A piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand, so think about picking up a grain of sand. Not much there, right? A grain of sand, the brain tissue that size, contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synapses within that speck of sand that we would pick up. That's, that's just some impressive things that God has done uh, in the human body. The human brain generates about 23 watts of power, which is enough to power a light bulb. And so, so that's how much energy is being used in your brain as you sit here and, uh, and take in what is happening around you. There are three things that separate. Those are just kind of some interesting facts uh, to get us thinking. Um, there are th three things that separate mankind from the rest of creation. God looked across creation and he said it is good. But then he created man and he said it is very good. Okay, and so there is a separation that takes place. Why does God say when he created man, this is very good? I believe one of the foundational things that we understand is that man has a soul. And if we go into Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, uh, it says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is the only spot in creation that God refers to, uh, to the uh, soul, and, th and, and that is with, with, with mankind. The soul of man is a part of man that has come from God and will return back to God. I was sitting in the funeral home some, some months ago, and there was, a, there was a, two young fellows there with us. They, they, had, they had stopped by. They had washed up some vehicles. We were getting ready for a funeral the next day, and, and JT and Josh came in there, and, um, and they sat down there in the office, and they said, they, this came up, and, and, and Josh said to me, he says, he says, what happens when a person dies? Well, now that's an opportunity, okay? And um, he says, sometimes I lay awake at night and I sweat and I wonder. And he says, I think maybe, he said, I haven't been very good in life. I think maybe I'll come back as a fly. Okay, that was his, that was his, his analysis of what, how, how life worked. And I had an opportunity to share 
about the soul of man and, and how God has given it and it will return to him and will live forever. Josh shared with me, he said, I've never seen a Bible. He's never laid hands on a Bible in our little town there in, in uh, northern Pennsylvania. So God has given mankind a special thing in a never dying soul. Also, man was given occupation is another thing that separates man from creation, uh, from the rest of creation. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, And the Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. God gave man responsibility. God required something of man to, to give back uh, to, to himself. The third thing, and I believe this is, and this is, one of the, this is where we're, what we're talking about this morning, is that God has given man intellect, and choice. Okay? That makes us different this morning from all of the rest of creation. And it, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16, and it says, And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. In verse 17, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. One thing that sets mankind apart from the rest of creation is man's ability to think, to reason, and to choose. You know, we know that God gave Adam and Eve choice. And they chose a path that went away from him, a path that went into sin, and, and, and it created uh, the world, uh, in, how we know it, in in the in our bent away from God, in our in our that has become the reality, I should say, of human existence from that point on, is that we have this this propensity to sin, this this natural bent away from God, to lust, to covet, to be impure, all of those things that come along with that. But I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter three, and I want us to notice something here, uh, how Satan came to Eve. And I want you to just, just take a look at this, this passage of scripture. Just going to pick out two verses that, uh, that, um, that are here in chapter three. And this is, this is that account of, of the serpent coming to Eve and deceiving uh, Adam and Eve. It says in verse one, it says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Question, okay? Now jump down to verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. What took place here? Some, some, some very fascinating things that, that take place here in this passage of scripture. Satan came to Eve as a serpent. But ultimately, he came to her intellect, okay? He came to her with a question of intellectual understanding and knowledge. He come to her, and he says, Yea, hath God said, okay? In other words, he brought to her a question of reasoning, okay? Now, can you identify? I can identify, right? When we, when we have decisions to make, we have, we begin to reason, right? What did I hear? What do I know? What is, and, and that's how Satan came to Eve and he came to her intellect, to her mind. Today, we don't see Satan as a serpent, but his approach to mankind is much the same, okay? Where he causes us to question, 
ultimately ultimately question what God has said. Okay, that's the path that that Satan uses so often to come to mankind. He causes curiosity. He preys on our senses and lusts. He causes doubts. He sows seeds of rebellion and bitterness. He puts thoughts of depression. He goes. He 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 does all of these things within the mind, the intellect of humanity. And when we give Satan only one speck, remember you're giving him 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synapses of your mind, okay? You, you, you know, our minds are, 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 are very precious territory. And, and we see that's really what happened here. Eve began to question. She says, well, you know, is that exactly what was said, and so on. We also see that he appealed to Eve's senses. He appealed to Eve's senses in verse, uh, verse 6. Eve saw the fruit was, was good and to be desired, and she wanted it, okay? And so again, the senses, where do they end up? In the intellect, in the mind, in the place where we begin to reason and think. She looked. It pleased her. I would like to say this. That in the church age, okay, fast forward all those thousands of years to the church age in which we live today. At this point, Eve has already sinned in the church age, okay? If we, if we apply the principle of Matthew uh, it, it, that's found in, in Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse 28 where Jesus is teaching, he says, if, you know, whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her, or if we, if we have that desire within us for that which is forbidden— he says, sin already has taken place. And so I believe if, as Eve looked on it and desired that fruit that was forbidden, something was already taking place within her heart. And that, I believe, while that is specifically stated in relation to, to, um, to, the, to the purity of thought between genders, I believe it can also apply to many other areas within our lives um, that we, we do well to, to consider. Where, there was, where there's no action, but yet sin can have occurred. You know, sometimes I'm burdened within my heart. You know, so we talked about this this morning. We look right, we act right, right? But I'm here to tell us this morning that if we think wrong, we are on very dangerous territory, okay? When we, when we allow the Satan to inhabit the territories of our minds, that is sin, okay? And, and I think that's something that we should, that we should uh, consider very, very seriously this morning. The mind is personal space. No one else can see what happens there. I can look out across this audience, and you, I, I have no idea what you're thinking, okay? You have a little bit of an idea what I'm thinking because I'm talking, okay? I really don't know what you're thinking this morning. And, um, and so, so our minds are very personal space. And because of that, I'm afraid as people, and maybe, no, I should say this, maybe I know from experience, okay, that we allow the mind to indulge what we would be embarrassed if everybody else knew, okay? Is that fair to say? I think that's, I think that's a reality of, of, of human life. The fact this morning is when we indulge our minds in things that, that are not right, we allow Satan a tremendous stronghold within our lives, a tremendous 
fortress to go out and to, to destroy who we are. And, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a very serious thing this morning. The fact is that we either fill our minds with Satan's things and become subject to his control. Think of all of the things that Satan is a master at this morning. He's a master this morning at controlling the human mind. Um, there is sports. There is entertainment. There is amusement. There is worry. There is depression. I believe this morning these are all aspects in which Satan endeavors to control the minds of humanity all across our, all across our nation, all across this world. And yes, even within our own hearts and lives at times as we give him that opportunity. So the reality is either we have our minds controlled by the things that Satan controls or we have our minds controlled and transformed by Jesus Christ. Okay, those are the two options this morning that we have in our minds. The scripture has a lot to say about the mind, as I already mentioned. I invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. <coughs> We're going to look at several types of minds that God speaks about in his word. And, um, and the first one we're going to look at here in Romans chapter 8, we'll call the carnal mind. That's what the scripture calls it. And I believe all of us that are honest with ourselves, well, I know each one of us has, understands what the carnal mind is because that is the mind of, of all of humanity apart from Jesus Christ, and we were all there. Carnal, the carnal mind, Romans chapter 8, wasn't sure where to pick up and stop here, but I think I'm going to pick up at verse, verse 5. It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The carnal mind. The word carnal this morning has to do with the flesh or the human nature that is within us, the physical or moral passions that we deal with in, in this life. This mind, this carnal mind, is a mind that has not been regenerated from its sinful state. You know, sometimes, I'll get to that later, Some, I'll say it now, I guess, but sometimes we, we put a lot of focus on regeneration of the heart. But dear ones, this morning, we also need to be mindful of the regeneration of the mind, okay? There, there, is, there is a very close connection. Like I said, it's hard to divide these things, but I believe there is a different aspect of the regeneration of the mind. So the carnal mind is a mind that se seeks anything that pleases me, okay? That I consume upon as, as, as a person. There are things like pornography, romance, literature, ungodly music, fantasies, entertainment, sports, desires of wealth. Cares of business. We looked at the we looked at the uh, the ground uh, the parable of the ground this morning in devotions. Wasn't it some of those things that captured the hearts? And these things also capture the mind of people, and sometimes even people that are children of God. I believe this morning that Satan brings different temptations to each one of us that are sitting here this morning. Your temptation might be different than my temptation. And, and yes, there are things that are common to man, okay? We understand those things, but probably there's, there's those things that 
I might deal with that. Maybe you say, well, I don't have a, I don't deal with that as much, but yet we all deal with, with, with this thing of, of a carnal mind. Some of those things, when we, uh, let me say this, when we indulge ourselves to gratify myself, okay, I indulge myself to gratify myself, that is a mark of the carnal mind. Some of these things that I mentioned are morally wrong. Some of them can be morally wrong, okay, and so, so they're, you know, sometimes we pacify ourselves and say, well, you know, take for instance, um, Things like work, okay? You know, work is a good thing. It's sanctioned by God. Occupation, I already mentioned, is something that God has blessed. But when we allow that to consume us completely, okay, when it is the thing that my mind is always dwelling on, when it is the thing that, that is, you know what? It is a mark of carnality within my, within my life. If, that is, if, it, if my mind is controlled by those things. I believe this morning that we have made Satan's job e- more, much easier today than any other time in history. We have we put devices in our pockets that can instantly feed the lustful desires of the human heart. We put devices in our pockets that allow our businesses to never leave us alone. Okay, we we and 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 there's just a consuming aspect to some of to some of those things. These are issues for, for all of us today. And I would say this, I've seen so many lives that have been polluted by sin because of the things that we indulge ourselves in in regards to, to how we use technology. You know, in my day, maybe this is dating myself a little bit, we needed to rent VCR tapes and, and a VCR player and, and, and go out and, and, and do the things we weren't supposed to do. Satan has, has narrowed that that. that that gap, if you want to put it that way, uh, in, in, in how easy it is to, to indulge ourselves. One of the things that I will say also about the mind is that the mind can be desensitized. It can be desensitized tremendously. One of the things, and I, one of, and I mentioned about VCR tapes and so on, one of the struggles of my youth. And, um, and we started with that which was quote-unquote good, but we were all ultimately in disobedience to the authority that was over us and it led us into paths I say us some of my friend group into things that were, were not godly it's a little bit like getting on a hill with a tractor just the other day I was I was raking some hay and the one field is it's scary okay and uh, you, if any farmers here that have those fields you know what I'm talking about and I went up on this field and I'd never had done this field before and 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 I I went to the flattest part of the field. It went up, and there was a bench, and then it kind of goes on up into the mountain. And, and I got up on the bench, and, and I was sweating. I, I was scared. And my, my fingers were, you know, on the steering wheel, and I was on that, that bench on the mountain, and I, I thought it was steep. But, you know, as I, as I went back and forth on there, I began to become comfortable. And as you work your way up the mountainside, it becomes steeper and steeper and steeper. And, you know, different times I started sweating when the tractor – you know, started sliding a little and those kinds of things, you kind of, uh. and you know, eventually I got back down to where, to where I started and was scared. And guess what? It felt pretty good. Okay? It felt pretty good to be there. The reality is that my mind was desensitized by the pitch of that hill. As I went on up that hill and it scared me more and more and more, and the tractor crab crawled and slid and, and carried on. You know, when I got back down on the bench, it didn't feel so bad. The reality is that's how our mind operates in, in, in many aspects of life. 
where it becomes desensitized to the danger that, that is there. And so we need to be very mindful of that in, in our lives. The fact that every one of us here, even if we've been born again, battles the mind of carnality. We are always tempted to indulge the carnal mind. And I would like to say this, that when we indulge the carnal mind, sin has already begun. If we allow Satan a foothold in our minds, we become, uh, we, we're on dangerous ground with, with our minds. Another thing that we notice here in Romans chapter 8 is that the carnal mind is enmity with God. Let that sink into our hearts this morning. To be at enmity with God. When I allow my mind to be controlled and, and filled with things that displease God, I am at enmity with God. Who here wants to be an enemy of God's? Not one of us, right? That's what that word enmity means. To be in, in conflict with God. The scripture tells us that, 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 the, that God is the Lord of Seboeth. That, that God is the Lord of the armies of heaven. And when we come into a conflict with God himself, we are in conflict with, with the armies of heaven. Okay, And that's a serious reality tonight, the, this morning, that when we allow the things to captivate our mind that do not please God, we place ourselves against God. And that is, that is serious uh, for us. Also here in, in, in these verses, um, it tells us that ultimately the outcome of, of this carnal mind is death. In verse 7, it says that we, we are enmity with God, and, and then it also refers here in one of these verses to, to uh, ultimately uh, being a thing of death for us. We don't need to stay there. I think we'll move on. Romans chapter 12. Just back a few pages. find it interesting that, that, that this is the same writer, just a few chapters later, comes to, this, to these very familiar verses. And we're going to call this this morning the renewed mind. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God is not only calling us to be people that are transformed in our hearts, and I already mentioned this, but also to be people that are transformed in our minds. To be renewed is to be made new again. Think about the innocence of a child for a moment. Completely innocent. No care about the evils of the world. No care about the, about the injustices of the world. Just a, a pure mind. God tells us to renew our minds. This is, not, this is only done this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit of God being alive and active within our bodies, within our minds, within, within our hearts this morning to try to reform our minds on our own strength is a losing battle. 
If we go in, uh, back into verse 1 here, chapter 12, he tells us to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is our reasonable service. In other words, it requires us to surrender to the authority of God within our hearts and lives if we are going to be people, in verse 2, that are renewed in mind. To live in victory in our minds, we need to hand over the control of our minds to the Holy Spirit. The fact is this morning that you are no match for the 268 mile per hour messages that are flying through your brain. Okay? We are no match for that. But dear ones, this morning, the Holy Spirit of God is. Okay? And he is there to bring us victory and to help us renew our minds through the power of Jesus Christ. So, I just hand over the controls to the Holy Spirit and I have nothing to do, right? Not so fast, okay? You know, we are still responsible, okay? We are responsible for what takes place within our minds. So what are some tools that we can use to help us in having a mind that is controlled by the Lord Jesus Christ? I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10. So just some things, and there's probably many more things. These are just some things that, um, that I personally have, have, um, that have helped me, and so I just, I just want to share some of these with you this morning. And so Luke chapter 10 and verse 27. Maybe we should back up to verse 25 uh, through 27. This is a familiar verse, but verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, stood up and tempting, tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, This do, and thou shalt live. I believe this morning, if we seriously want to have a renewed mind, it requires us to have a love relationship with Jesus Christ that not only consumes our hearts, not only consumes us as, as, as our person, but is also all-consuming for our mind, okay? There is, there is um, we, need to, we need to take time to fill our minds with our love relationship with Jesus Christ. How many times going through the day do you stop and think about Jesus Christ? What he has done for you. What he has, his, his saving power within your life. We need to fill our minds with that love relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. To read his word. To sing. To imp and to pray. Those things are vitally important. And I know that becomes a little cliche, okay? That's, that's a recipe for a lot, of, a lot of spiritual battles, okay? But it is a recipe for the, for the battle of the mind, is to read God's word, to pray, and to sing. And I will say this this morning, that we can't always read God's word. We have occupation. But I would say this, that I don't think there's too many times when we can't pray and when we can't sing. And I would, I, I, I'll say this, that, that, um, that it's some of those things that have been, that have been very, very beneficial um, to, to me as, as, I, as I've 
endeavor to battle the, the, the sinfulness of the mind to be quick to sing. Not, we can't always sing out loud, right? But you can sing in your mind, okay? Maybe it's better if some of us don't sing out loud, right? <laughs> but, it's a, but you see, we can sing in our mind. We can allow the word of God, the, the, the hymns that God has given us to, to, to guide our thinking, to guide our minds. Another thing, uh, thinking about reading, one of the things that I did for a while in one of my vehicles was I took a post-it note. And, um, and I just, I, there was a verse of scripture that I, that I kind of claimed in, in, a, in a battle in my mind that I was having, and I just posted it right on the dash of my, actually, I think it might have, I didn't cover the speedometer, but I, one of the other instruments there somewhere, I, I, I covered with that, with that post-it note, with that verse written on that I would turn to when I was battling thoughts that were not God-honoring. And so we need to fill our minds with what God has given us in his word, through song, and of course, through prayer. Colossians chapter, Colossians chapter 3 kind of goes right along, uh, right along with the same thought. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth, things of the earth. To set our affection, affection requires an exercise of the mind, right? So when I, when I love something, that's what comes into my mind. Take a, take, a, take a young couple in a dating relationship. It's not too hard, right? Because there is affection there that there is thoughts of what is what, what, of that other person, right? Because there is, a, there is a love relationship that is there. That idea of setting affection. To, uh, affection is to exercise the mind. And I would like to say this, that a renewed mind must constantly be exercised on the things that are above, Okay. How does this affect eternity? When a temptation, maybe it's a temptation of morality, maybe it's a temptation that of, of lust. When that temptation comes, the affection must be set on things that are above. How will this affect what is to come? How will this affect the relationship that I have with the heavenly things? You see, that is the question that we must ask ourselves. A renewed mind must be constant, constantly exercised on things that are above. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. <clears throat> says this, it says, for though we walk in the, in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth, exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yeah, and I want to stop there. Uh, every thought to the obedience of Christ, a controlled and disciplined mind. Paul here is writing to the church at Corinth, 
the church at Corinth was a church that was riddled with immorality and, 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 and lots of, lots of uh, challenging circumstances. But he says here in, in the beginning of this verse, in uh, verse 3, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, Paul understood and, 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 he, and he was honest about the fact this morning that we all walk in this flesh. We walk in this body. We walk in, in this world. But yet he calls us to be people that are in spiritual warfare. He goes into verse, uh, verse uh, the end of verse 3, he says uh, that we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. And he goes on in verse 4 and he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Paul was calling the church at Corinth to enter into a spiritual warfare that was to destroy the strongholds of Satan within the church, within their minds, and so on. I believe this morning there are many spiritual strongholds that live in our minds, that that can be in our minds. And he tells us here in verse 5, he says, we enter this warfare so that we can pull down those strongholds. And he says in verse 5, he says, casting down imaginations has to do with the mind. High things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Okay, knowledge has to do with the mind. And bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Paul was calling the church at Corinth to go to war with their minds, okay? And to bring into captivity and to bring into, an under, to, to bring into obedience their mind to Jesus Christ. You know, I believe this is a lifetime work. This is a lifetime work. This isn't a once and done thing that takes place and somehow we've gained victory and so therefore we're good till we're dead, okay, till we're gone. It just doesn't work that way. Satan, as I already mentioned, understands that the way to the human heart so often is through the human mind and, 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 and we do battle in that very spot. And so this morning, for young people, for moms and dads, for grandmas and grandpas, every thought needs to be inspected, controlled, and brought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Now that's a tall order, okay? That's a high order when you think about the, 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 those facts that we looked about with the brain, right? Those messages that are going all through the brain and, and, and the, the reserve of, of knowledge that is there. And, and, and God calls us to be people that control our minds and bring them into captivity to Jesus Christ. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and um, verse 8. God gives us the measuring stick for our minds. He gives us that measuring rod that we are to compare to as we, this is maybe a standard for our thoughts, if you will. Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, take that standard, right? And we use that standard. Is it pure? Is it honest? 
and that whole list, and we have a thought coming through our minds, and we stop it, and we say, how does it measure up to the standard that God wants for our minds? Does it measure up? Is it pure? Is it true? Is it lovely? Okay? Or is it maybe not so lovely? And I, and I, and I, and I, I measure it up to God's standard. Because remember, I said our human minds can be desensitized, right? You know, as I went farther up that hill, the tractor didn't feel near as bad when it was down farther on the hill, okay? As I came back down, it, it felt like I was almost level, and I really wasn't. You see, our minds are not good standards for our minds, okay? God has set a standard for our minds, and he calls us to, to apply that standard to, to the thoughts of our minds. Every thought needs to meet that standard. If it doesn't meet that standard, it needs to be captured and brought to the obedience of Jesus Christ or brought to the foot of the cross, maybe is another way that we could say that. Bringing it to a place where we can deal with those things. Impure thoughts, lustful thoughts, revengeful thoughts, proud thoughts, unkind thoughts, all need to be taken care of because God wants people that have a controlled mind. You know, our minds are a little bit like a computer. What we put in, or maybe I should say what we allow in, stays in and can be recalled at any time. I had a teacher that told me, and I, I really didn't believe him, but I, I think I believe him more now than I used to. He told me that your mind never forgets. He said, you just have trouble recalling it. But he says, sometimes when you're least suspecting it, guess what? Right there it is, Right. And he, 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 he kind of made a point of that because I, I think I was saying I forgot something about a test or something. He said, your mind never forgets. You just can't get it back. But the reality is that what we put into our mind, what we allow into our mind is there. And it can be recalled at, at some inconvenient times sometimes. That, that is, not, that is not, a, not beneficial. So the question to, to this morning is how does our mind meet God's standard. You know, we talked about the spiritual mind. We talk, or I should say we talked about the carnal mind. We talked about the renewed mind. But back in Romans chapter 8, maybe I should turn there. Back in Romans chapter 8, it gives us a little glimpse of, of what this mind that is, is to the captivity, to the obedience of Jesus Christ, this mind that is controlled really looks like here in, in Romans chapter 8 in verse 6. It says, for to be carnally minded is death. There was this death reference I was looking for earlier. But take a look at this. But to be spiritually minded, catch these two words, is life and it's peace. You know, sometimes our minds are in turmoil, right? But when we can take our thoughts of our minds and we can bring them into captivity to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, measuring them up, by the standard that he sets, we can have life and we can have peace. May God bless you this morning as you endeavor to have minds that are renewed, minds that are controlled by the Holy Spirit so that you can be that person that has life, spiritual life, and peace. Let's bow our heads to pray.